You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rusk Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rusk AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Kate Campbell, welcome to this extra fun episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Yes, Owen, we're doing a shared deep dive. We're going to unpack yes, what's going are. on under the surface of an ASX listed company, something that you can buy through your brokerage account. Yes, this is the popular company. If you've clicked on the title, you'll know what it is already. It is Wes Farmers, which trades under the ticker symbol W-E-S. Nice and easy. That's the one, Wes. Um, not West Farmers, but Wes Farmers. A lot of people call it West Farmers. I think it's good. maybe it's a combination of not really knowing what the company is and its roots in WA. Mm. Maybe, maybe not. Is that why it's called Wes Farmers? Because it started in Western Australia. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Someone can correct us on this, but um, I like I know a lot of the roots are from there, and I think that's where its headquarters is. So today we're going to talk about an individual company. You will remember if you listen to this show regularly that we don't give recommendations to buy or sell or even hold stocks on the show. We might talk about companies, but we are not making a recommendation for or against West Farmers in today's show. We're simply providing an overview of the business while also educating you on what share investing is. We might say like why we like the company and why we don't like the company. It's you know it's important that we you remember that we don't necessarily endorse or recommend shares for each and every person to buy. Mm. Um, you should speak to a financial planner to get that type of advice. And I don't own any shares in West Farmers. Good what about you? Owen? No, I do not. Although I could see myself owning some because I I think it's a great business. Yes, I'm definitely more interested in it now. I've done some research on it, and but we do own it through our 
ETF portfolios because it's in the top yes. 10 holdings of most ASX 200 ETFs. So I'm just looking at the BetaShares A200 ETF right now and West Farmers is the ninth largest position. So holding as of the data recording, we're doing this on the 6th of April, which is relevant because a lot of the other data that we talk about in the podcast and the financials will go out of date yeah. in seconds. Yep. And so as of today, Wes Farmers makes up 2.7% of the A200 ETF. So if I had $100 in the A200 ETF, $2.70 would be allocated towards mm-hmm. Wes Farmers. Yes. So if you own an ETF that invests in Australian shares, chances are Indirectly, you own West Farmer shares. And probably for your super as well. Yes. So, if that's the case, then disclosure, I probably do have some exposure to West Farmers, although I do not own the individual shares in my brokerage account. We're making some progress going through this list of like the top 10 yeah. ASX, you know? ETF, uh, not ETFs, the companies within yeah. the ETFs. Well, we've done uh, Woolworths, which previously was probably the number one competitor to West Farmers because they West Farmers used to own all of Coles. It doesn't anymore. So we've done Woolworths, we've done Magellan, we've done Fortescue. What else have we done? Have we done Telstra? Oh no, Drew just talked about Telstra Drew just in loves one of the episodes. Telstra. We've done Macquarie. Yeah, we've done Macquarie, the silver donut. Yeah, we've done CBA, the country's biggest bank. We haven't done CSL yet. And we haven't done BHP from memory. No. So there's some good no. names. Maybe Still, CSL next. Maybe CSL next. Let us know. Write into us. Yeah. Uh, social media. Tell us. us anywhere you like. Tell us what you want to hear from us. We'll probably look at a company in somewhere in the top 50 yeah. we'd look at. Yeah. Typically, we like to keep them, the big companies that everyone knows so they can relate to them. Yeah. Um, and if you want to get more into the weeds of individual companies, you can head over to the Australian Investors Podcast, where we do take your questions and your feedback weekly on different companies or ETFs or funds or whatever it is you're looking at. Uh, you can head over there. Okay, Kate. So, give us an overview of, of Wes Farmers. Uh, ASX WES. What is it? Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it is one of Australia's largest employers. Okay. It has yes. over 100,000 employees. And why this is, is because it owns so many different businesses or stakes pieces of other businesses as well. So just like you and I invest in individual companies, so does Wes Farmers. So Wes Farmers buys parts of other businesses or yeah. owns them outright. Yeah. So for example, everyone will have heard of Bunnings. So Wes Farmers owns Bunnings and Bunnings have over 500 stores in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so when you go and get your sausage sizzle on the Saturday, this is a Bunnings, which is owned by a Wes Farmers. Yep. So everyone will know uh, Bunnings, uh, they call it Bunnings Group in their financials. And to put it in context, in terms of the profitability of West Farmers, in the most recent results for the half year, this is only half the year, Bunnings made $1.27 billion. That's a lot of shovels. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of scratch. Uh, and that by far and away makes it the biggest part of the West Farmers business. So if you think West Farmers, you can think of Bunnings for the most part. Because it's over half of the business. What else do they own? They own Kmart Group, which mm-hmm. includes over 300 Kmart stores and over 100 Target stores. It's interesting to see, just based off the numbers alone, how popular Kmart stores are compared to Target stores now. Yeah, because they're closing Target stores and they're basically just saying what they, whatever they can do, they'll make them Kmart. And if not, then they'll probably just sell them. Mm. Um, and so it looks like in the half or in the three-year period, um, target sales, um, there were 63 target store closures since Ooh. the first half of 2020. So they've closed a few. And the reason, if you think about it, like when was, do you shop at Kmart, uh, Target? Sorry. 
No. Or Tajay, I, I mean, Tajay, I think growing up in the country, that was the main place. There was no Kmart around. Yeah. Target was the place where you'd go and get your school supplies and things like that. You see, I don't go into any Targets nowadays because if you think about it, con- the consumers and all of us kind of realized that Target was more expensive than Kmart, where it's got like everything you need. Yes, it was better quality, but if you wanted better quality, you'd probably just go to another type of store. Yeah, like, like Target prices were getting up there. Country Road was only a tiny bit more expensive when I last looked. Well, that's the thing. So, Target kind of got sandwiched between the really cheap stuff and like the nicer stuff. Yeah. And so, eventually just got squeezed out of the market and then they're like, well, we might as well just make them Kmart's. And your Kmart t-shirts are 10 bucks now. Yeah, exactly. So, that's why you see it and you see them focusing on Kmart and pulling out of Target, basically. But what else are they on? That's, that's a pretty good list so far. Bunnings, okay. Kmart, Target. What else? Um, I might leave the chemicals, energy and fertilizers to last because that yep. doesn't sound as exciting. But we've got it mm-hmm. over 150 Officeworks stores. Yes. So, Officeworks being the back to school and all that sort of stuff. Um they actually, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure they they toyed with the idea of selling office works. Mm. So we can get to the business model of what Wes Farmers does in just a minute, but I'm pretty sure they toyed this was quite a few years ago with selling office works, but then they realized we're not going to get that much money for it. So we probably won't sell it, we'll probably just keep it internally. But to put this in perspective, Office Works makes about around $1.6 billion in sales for the half year. To put that in context, for the entire business, it's $22 billion. So, you know, it's a smaller, much smaller part of the business than Bunnings, but it's also less profitable, Kate. And the reason why Officeworks would be less profitable is because there's much more competition. There's only one Bunnings, right? There's might attend, 10, but not many people go. There's Bowen's, it's for tradies, it's nowhere near as big. Whereas with Officeworks, you could go and get your stationery from other places. You could go to JB Hi-Fi, the electronics, and you could shop around, right? And so that's what makes Bunnings such a great business. And Officeworks, a good business, but not quite as good. Where else do you get your A4 reams of paper and your printers from in the CBD? Well, there's all these like bespoke ones so on our block, right? Mm. If you walk out here, turn left, literally 20 meters down underground, there's one of those, uh, I can't remember, it's called like city something. Yeah. And it's like for all the offices. For printing. Oh, for actual printing. Yeah. yeah, well, how many people are printing? I don't know. Oh, controversy. <sighs> but my point like remains like, for example, like electronics, right? Mm. Big, you go into an off- office work store, you look around, majority of the floor space is probably there's electronics or cables yeah, and that sort of stuff. People getting their iPads, laptops. And you get that from other stuff, like other places, and there's furniture in there too. So it's got everything you need. But again, if you're going to go up into more like higher quality mm. stuff, you'll shop around. Yeah. Um, so it tends to be more competitive in that way. But that's Office Works. Now, Kate, there's another business that they own which people probably don't yes. realize. So Wes Farmers acquired Australian Pharmaceutical Industries, which has a lot of price lines underneath it. Yeah. So Priceline Pharmacies. Yes. Yeah. Um, and many of you will know that that deal was actually in part due to Washington H. Sol Pattinson, another similar company that's in Australia that owns other businesses. Um, they owned a big chunk of API. So there's still even more to go with those farmers, Kate. There's the industrial and safety business. Yep. There's the chemicals business. And then there's a final thing which people should be aware of, which is catch group. Yes. Remember catch, catch of the day? Yes. So the basic idea of Wes Farmers buying catch group 
which is now, I think it's under a bit of a restructuring. Mm. I think it's performed as well as they liked. For those of you that don't know, Catch was that thing where you could get like a daily deal and you get it delivered and all that stuff. Started in 2006. Yeah. They acquired it in 2019. So with this business, um, the idea was that because Amazon was coming to Australia, because all these online competitors were coming, they needed something to like try and potentially offer something in that space. I don't know about you, but uh, during COVID, I did so much shopping at Bunnings online but it was so hard to get stuff from Bunnings, right? So it's yep. a different experience. But even from Kmart's really hard. And fast forward a few years to now, West Farmers now have this uh, their own thing because they've got their own brands and stuff. I think they call it OnePass. Yep. Where, I, I saw that advertised at the MCG the other day. Yeah. Well, you get like a subscription. I think it gets you Disney Plus as well. But you also get a bunch of other things. Like it connects kind of like all the brands together. Uh, which is this idea of Wes Farmers saying, well, we own Bunnings, we own Kmart, we own Target, we own Officeworks, we own Catch. Let's like kind of, yeah. how do we make Kmart, sense of all Target, this? Kmart, Target, Catch, Bunnings. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if it's extending to- And um, Disney. It appears and, Disney's but, here as well. Yeah. Australian um, pharmaceutical industries, I wouldn't be surprised if it extends to Priceline and those types of things. And basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to build like a ring around their business to say- we are like, this is us. If you want to come inside, you can get deals if you're a member. Kind of like how Amazon's got Prime, how Kogan's got their membership. It's just trying to build that loyalty. Qantas, mm. Virgin, they're trying to do their own version of that. Yeah, which makes so if sense. you're already Woolies subscribed, got... you'll just use all the services because exactly. you may as well. It's like, yeah. Speaking of money-saving tips, Kate, if you join something, the Woolies one, you get, uh, I think it's 10% off oh. once a month with a Woolies uh, membership, uh, which is kind of cool for online delivery. Yeah, well, so, this is saying cool. if you, you sign up to one pass with Bunnings, you get some complimentary key-cutting vouchers. Well, we could all <laughs> do with some key-cutting in our lives. But seriously, so let's just go through the profits. So remember before I said Bunnings makes – Just I just want to quickly touch on this yeah. to give people a sense of the overall business. So – Bunnings makes one point for round figures one point three billion. So that's thirteen hundred million, one thousand three hundred million dollars. Pretty it's a big lot of money. number, but it's a big store. Makes a lot of sense, right? Kmart four hundred seventy-five million, mm-hmm. right? So just over maybe a third. Let's go down again. You've got the Wes Farmers chemicals and fertilizer business, three hundred million. Just going down again. Office Works. This is where it starts to get small. Eighty-five million. The in safety business, industrial stuff, forty-seven million, and the health business is twenty-seven million. But Catch Group doesn't make a profit; it makes a loss of one hundred eight million dollars. So, you get a sense that Bunnings is by far the most dominant driver of not only the sales and the revenue that it brings in, but also the profits. Uh, and that's because it's such a good business. Yeah, you're one of their number one customers. I've got a, I've got a power pass. Save <laughs> you save five percent on uh, trade related uh, goods, so you can get one. It's free to get a power pass. Yeah, it was interesting on the West Farmers website. They said the primary objective of West Farmers is to provide a satisfactory return to its shareholders. Yeah, not a great return, not no. an average, just satisfactory. Which is actually, it's actually good that you pick up on that language because this is the one of the keys to long term success in, uh, at least as far as I see, in business and investing, is not to gouge. It's just to take a fair amount of money for your profit, right? But make sure you're creating more value. Yeah. So I think Wes Farmers does that like quintessentially with um, with Bunnings because the prices are the lowest. Yeah. And that's it. just noticed that throughout the whole website as I was looking through the, the who we are, our businesses section that they're not focusing on over-promising. They're just like, this is what we do. 
this is how it all works. These are the numbers, but they're not hyping anything up at all. Well, they don't need to, right? They've been around for over 100 years. Yeah. So, um, and people think that uh, West Farmers started Bunnings. I believe they acquired Bunnings. Um, and Bunnings has been growing consistently basically every year since the 1990s, even a little bit earlier. Well, other people have tried to compete with Bunnings and it just stands the test of time. Well, Masters, that was owned by Woolworths, because Woolworths tried to become basically what West Farmers is, but they couldn't do it. Um, You may remember that Masters, the big home improvement stores, the blue ones, they ultimately lost, but they were backed by both Lowe's in America, so big brand, Lowe's and Woolworths in Australia, and still couldn't compete with Bunnings. Yeah, so just not room for... Well, I think well, I think Wes Farmers through Bunnings got a pretty strategic, and I'm pretty sure I don't know for sh- certain, but I believe, like say, if you wanted a particular brand of power tools or you wanted a particular brand of shovel, I don't know if there is a particular brand, maybe Cyclone. That's like a brand. That's one brand that you I know, know. A shovel brand. Cyclone <laughs> oh is gosh. like really good. Sometimes, by the way, inside tip with Cyclone rakes, uh, if you get a good one, I believe it comes with a lifetime warranty. <gasps> So there you go. Anyway, who knows who takes that up? They're always getting a new one. But um, anyway, so they all, if you want those brands, you have to go to Bunnings, mm. right? And I think that was a kind of big competitive advantage when Masters came and started to pop up. They had these like, other brands. Everyone was like, I don't want that brand to drill. Like no one uses that. Uh, and so I think we'll, uh, sorry, West Farmers through Bunnings could kind of get like the defensive moat and just shield itself from competition by saying to these brands, well, hey, you might be thinking of selling your power tools to masters across the road, but don't forget, you got the exclusive license with us. Mm. And if you want our business, you sell it to us. Yeah. And so I don't know for sure, but I imagine a fair bit of that happened. Yeah. What do you think are the biggest competitors for Wes Farmers? Do you think it's something like Metcash? So Metcash is the owner of IGA supermarkets for people that don't know, and also those food works and those independent. Uh, yeah, they places. had some hardware stores too. That's why I was thinking yeah. they had food, liquor, and hardware. Yeah, yeah. So um, absolutely. So they they would they would be the mini me version of West Farmers. Yeah. That said, it's a bit of a different model. So with some of the Metcash stores, it's still the case that the IGAs are independently owned, mm-hmm. and Metcash is just basically the supplier behind in the background. Okay. I think a lot of people, when they come to investing, they think that there has to be a competitor for every business because that's what we're kind of taught in finance is that there's a competitor for everything. It's important to understand that maybe the biggest risks to West Farmers are not things that look like it. Okay. So Amazon would be a good example. Now, Mm. Amazon doesn't – like it does groceries overseas and all that sort of stuff and whatever – Maybe Amazon is a competitor. I would say Amazon is a competitor to Officeworks, to be honest, because yeah. I've got the Amazon membership. I just click one button, yeah, and pencils I, rock up tomorrow. I've got pieces. I've got my reams of paper from Amazon in the past when yeah. it's just a hassle to get it from Officeworks. Yeah, so it doesn't look the same, but it is definitely the competitor, yeah, right? that's interesting. And you can probably get shovels on Amazon as well. Yeah, I mean, if you, <laughs> it'd be a bit of a challenge if you get a scooter delivery. I don't know how it works, but yeah, no, you can. Um, and so- like then you've got all of like the the little competing brands like furniture shops or maybe you have like barbecue stores that would say we sell a better barbecue than what you can get at Bunnings. You might get that one cheaper, but you get a better one over here. Or Total Tools. So in like the um, in the format of uh, like selling um, power tools or vacuums and that sort of stuff, you're going to have Total Tools compete with um, with them. Mm. The 
an interesting thing happens here. You know how Bunnings does that 10% price guarantee? If you see it cheaper price elsewhere, we'll beat it. That's their sure. slogan. Okay. Now, you might think, this is the inside scoop, and anyone that's a DIYer like me, you might think that you're getting the same tool available somewhere else. But if you actually look at the serial number of what's being offered, it's a different serial number. So Total Tools or Mitre 10 can have the same tool, you think, but if you look at the serial number, it's actually different. And so if you go in and you say, hey, I saw a cheaper over the road, give us 10% off, they'll go, oh no, not the same serial number, different model. Cheeky. Yeah. And they're very slightly different. They might be very much the same, but they're very slightly different. Oh my gosh. And then if you look at, um, so like the timber department and all that, there's heaps of different competitors for that. Bowen's are probably the one that comes to mind there. Yeah. So if you were researching and analyzing a business like West Farmers, would you break up all the individual components of the business? Like look at Bunnings independently to Kmart to- Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think, I wouldn't do it for everything because if you you saw the numbers before- The biggest like, drivers of yeah, the revenue. Like the biggest driver is like, what are the competitive threats to Bunnings? Because that okay. is over half the business. Then less so the other businesses like the chemicals business, because there'd be heaps of different competitors that you want to understand- who else does chemicals distribution and supply and all that sort of stuff, which there could be hundreds. Yeah. Would you take that similar approach? Like if you're looking at Soulpats, which we, we yeah. mentioned before that owns lots of different things, you would look at the biggest drivers. But- yeah. So this is what I've been doing lately, actually, Kate, is I've been looking for this and I'm going to do a write-up for our members. Is um, like when I asked the CEO of Soulpats just last week or week before, what do you think your comp- like the biggest risks are? And he's like, well, we don't really have competitors, do we? Because he's like, who else does what we do? Like, you, Wes Farmers is the closest to Solpats and vice versa, but neither of them operate in industries that compete with each other. Mm. So there's like, even though they look the same, they're not the same. And so the way you have to do it is you do have to break it up a bit and look at the individual components. So for, in the case of um, Wes Farmers, you've got Bunnings. And what's the biggest piece of Solpats? It's probably Brickworks. You know, there's Austral Bricks. And then who's Austral Bricks' biggest competitor? Probably Abri Masonry, which is Adelaide Brighton, but they do um, a different type of brick. So, like, you, it's really, it's like if you yeah. get into the weeds, you can just imagine like, just going down a lot of rabbit yeah, holes. It's like this is a this is a concrete brick block. This is a brick. I'm like, I'm trying to figure this all out. But at the end of the day, what to just answer this in very simple terms, Kate? You're right. You would look at businesses like that and you'd probably put them side by side and you'd go, I know you're not competitors, but you look similar. So I will make comparisons between you. So I will like, like what's your dividend yield? What's your dividend yield? Or how many, how, mu- how many years have you gone without cutting your dividend? How many years have you gone? What has been your growth in the share price over the last 10 years versus you? Why is that? And so you can do, you can make, even though they're not the same, they're similar. Yeah. So you can make comparisons. And um, I would just say in terms of risks, you basically have to look at the silos to be like, what are the different departments of this business that could have risks? Yeah. And then there's one final risk, which we can touch on now. Inflation. Well, that's going to affect everyone, <laughs> but it is a risk. But the, I was going to say the big risk is when you buy a business like Wes Farmers or Solpats, what you're really paying for for the long term is the management team because they're the ones that are pulling the strings like the puppeteers above all the brands. <laughs> and they're saying, we're going to put money, more money in Officeworks. Or we're going to have a go with catch. Yeah, we're going to do catch this year. Or next year, we're going to spend more money on Bunnings. Um, or we're going to sell this division and buy that one. So a lot of capital allocation. Exactly. That's the and fancy phrase that we where get. to put research and Capital allocation. That's what we call it. And so you want to look at the management team. Now, I mean, we, we, this is about West Farmers, but Solpats has a 100-year track record as well. 
So you could say, well, over that time, who's done better and who's going to do better in the future? And that's us looking at the risks overall uh, in each division. And then on top of that, who's doing what? Yeah. Um, and let's use that as a segue, Kate. Who is doing what at West Farmers? Well, CEO Rob Scott, the the CEO and managing director of West Farmers, who it turns out was a, uh, a rowing Olympian in the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, if you want a fun fact. Huh. But he was appointed as the CEO in 2017 and has been involved in the company for quite a while. He started off like straight out of uni in the 90s and then left for a while. And then he came back in 2004 in business development team and has kind of is one mm. of those people that kind of work their way up through the business. So he's been involved mm. in lots of different areas. He's got all your classic finance qualifications and involved in other boards and programs, but it doesn't look like he's overcommitted himself. He's got a master, look at this. He's got a master of applied finance. He's got a bachelor of commerce. He's got a graduate diploma of applied finance. He's a qualified chartered accountant and has completed the advanced management program at Harvard. Classic qualification. Yeah, classic. It's like, <laughs> that's good. Like, it's very. I mean, if you want to be specific, he's also the chairman of Rowing Australia. Yeah, but this what yeah, he went to the Olympics for. It's pretty. Like, so that is like a first class education for a finance person. But you can. What I really love about this, right? And this is the key point. I don't necessarily love it when there's like, quote unquote, first class finance education, because often finance, some finance people aren't worldly. Like, yeah. they don't get it. But the fact that he's worked for the company for so long tells you that he was born and bred in the culture and has just slowly yeah. worked his way up. And I have a lot of respect for companies that hire internally because they know the culture is going to be carried forward with that person. Yeah, I feel like this is someone they've shaped, yeah. pushed through their, their management program in, into this role. Yeah. West Farmers actually has a great track record of really long-term, good, solid leadership teams and boards mm -hmm. of directors. Um, you know, that. The one misstep that they've made in the last few years, and I don't think it was, I could be wrong, I don't think it was Rob's idea, I could be wrong, but their misstep was the um, the, ac the acquisition of ho uh, Homebase, I believe it was, or I should say another way, the expansion into the UK. Because they basically thought, well, Bunnings is big here, can we take this idea and put it in the UK? And the, the, in theory, yes. You should be able to do that, right? But it's very, very hard to expand overseas. Um, many companies have tried. And, many uh, companies have tried. <laughs> you know what, though? And this is something that we often get criticism for here in Australia about companies. Our Australian companies struggle to go overseas. But that's actually not just an Australian thing. This is a thing that happens for all companies around the world. Like how many UK companies operate in Australia effectively, you know? Uh, so this happens all around the world. It's very hard to take culture to take the idea and go overseas. So, um, yeah. Uh, the chairman, Michael Cheney. He is like an older version of the CEO. Yeah. He uh, also started in West Farmers a bit older, in the 80s, mm -hmm. and uh, went through company secretary, finance director, was appointed managing director in 92, mm -hmm. and he retired in 2005. He has been on the board since 2015 and was also... Also became chairman then mm -hmm. and uh, has done a lot of other boards for companies like Woodside, NAB and BHP and has Bachelor of Science. Mm -hmm. What have we got? An MBA in there too. We've got an advanced management program from Harvard, an honorary doctorate. See, classic 
Classic finance quals. <laughs> Classic finance quals. <laughs> you, see a lot of similar, you see a lot of similar yeah. like kind of people when you start looking through like chairpersons on yeah. all of the, the large Australian companies. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them, like those aren't easy qualifications to get. So, kudos to them. But yeah, you do. You see like the Macquarie, Macquarie Applied Finance. That's pretty common. You'll see like the FinCR or Kaplan Finance. Mm. You'll see either a chartered accountant or a CPA. As, so like a, a chief financial officer, which is the one that reads out the financial results, they have to be accountants. Yeah. So like you'll see chartered accountant, CPA, things like that. Um, so looping back around to something real quickly, Kate, I just did a quick Google on this. And you were right. Wes Farmers takes its name from Western Australia because it is headquartered in Perth. It was founded in 1914 as a cooperative to provide services and merchandise to West Australian farmers. And um, it was listed on the Securities Exchange in 1984. Yeah. So, there you go. So, it's West Farmers. It is West Farmers, but it's, prin- but it's not- <laughs> West it doesn't Farmers. Have a, it doesn't have a T in it anymore. Yeah. Um, so, the West Australian Farmers Cooperative Limited was how it was formed. And then it just turned into Wes Farmers. So- It's a good name, I yeah. reckon. Yeah, I think it's great. Pick a name. It says what it does on the tin. Yeah, the green logo is cool. Yeah, they haven't tried to modernize it to the nth degree. Yeah. So one of the things, Kate, that people think about when they think about big businesses like this that have their fingers in so many pies is they think about environmental, social, governance type stuff. Anything to add on this front? Yeah. Well, it was there was a lot in their annual report, and one in particular was Bunnings because Mm. Bunnings has a lot of stuff that people are buying and it has a lot of packaging. And I just remember going to Bunnings and people buying lots of tins of paint and lots of different tools and they've all got plastic packaging or metal packaging. And so it was quite interesting that they were talking about in their annual report how much they were focusing on waste reduction there. And one of the the quotes from their report was that in the middle of last year, um, they diverted 55% of waste from landfill, which was an improvement of more than 4.5% when compared to the previous year, and they're committed to achieving 100% sustainable packaging by 2025. That's a big move. Like, if you think about that, it's only like a year and a half away. Like, that's 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 a lot for a company of this size. Remember when we did the deep dive on Woolworths? They were like 1% of Australia's electricity or something? Yeah, it's something <laughs> it's crazy. like huge. Um and so, like, this this is a big business making some good strides towards more efficiency and, you know, reducing waste, which is cool. And there's nothing more frustrating. I don't know about you, but there's nothing more frustrating when you get something and it's covered in plastic. Yeah, and you have to get scissors to... Yeah. It's so tightly packed in. Why not just make it cardboard? At least then you can <laughs> chuck it in your garden, recycle it, do whatever you want. Like, obviously, take the plastic off at first, the sticky tape and whatever. But, um, yeah, okay, cool. Anything else from that? Um, they had a few, they've had a few issues they were talking about on the website. Like one of them was ethical sourcing and human rights and how they were, they have a huge amount of people involved in their supply chain, given the amount of products, like you can just imagine in Priceline Mm. alone, they're probably, Mm. I don't know, 50,000 different products. This is probably a very huge number or like all the components that go into the products. So, uh, they said that 98% of reportable breaches were or are being remediated, improving conditions for workers in our supply chain. And they did Mm. nearly three and a half thousand supplier site visits during the year. So, what's kind of cool here is um, Wes Farmers reports its financial highlights 
alongside its sustainability results. Uh, and so, uh, like while they say like revenue went up 27% in the half year to 31st December 2022, so the most recent six months, um, they also report things like injuries, which all of them do, uh, the number of Torres Strait or Aboriginal team members. Um, they talk about like scope one and two emissions, which is like the emissions produced by the business, uh, not, not scope three would extend to suppliers. Uh, and so they talk about the operational waste that you mentioned, but then they also talk about things like gender balance, women in boards and leadership positions, which is 48%. So it's pretty good, like by company mm. standards, um, it's almost at parity, right? So that's, that's what we want at least. So that's great. Um, and these, you want to see a company of this side taking these things seriously. So all good. Yeah. The thing that people probably want to know is a little bit about financials. Yes. How does the business run? How can you think about it? Those types of things. Is it making money? Well, you yes. shouted out some big numbers at the start. Bunnings yeah. in the billions. Yeah, Bunnings in the billions. Um, I'll quickly, before we get to uh, like the financial, I want to sh tell you how you think about a business like this. Yeah. So- when we think about, when we spoke about before, the, the business has like all the different divisions and then you have to look at all the different divisions, but you can also look at it from the whole and be like, what is management doing in terms of taking money from Officeworks and putting it in Bunnings, taking money from Bunnings, putting it in chemicals, making a new acquisition. They got about 600 million of cash. So that's money that they'll probably invest yeah. and then that will grow and then they'll invest more. And that's why these businesses are so amazing is because they can go from like each different division. So say if Officeworks struggles this year, they can take the money from Bunnings, which is doing really well, put it in Officeworks, then maybe next year Officeworks does well. So they take the money out of that and they put it in something else. And that's what makes them what I call, Kate, anti-fragile. So meaning that there's no one risk that affects all of the different parts of the business. So if one goes down, the next one pops up. If, that one, if two of those go down, the other two pop up. Um, it's kind of like that was it whack-a-mole thing where you used to whack them and another one would pop out? Um, anyway, so how do you measure that as an investor? There's a thing that we have, and I won't get too technical in how the details of how this works, but just for those of you that do want to take this step, the way to think about this is a metric called return on capital. It's called ROC or ROIC, return on invested capital. And all this metric means is what is the return, Wes Farmers, not you, so it's not return on investment, it's return on capital. What is the return that Wes Farms gets from the money that it has available to invest in its business? Okay. The number for the 2022 financial year was 16%. And this effectively means that every year, Wes Farmers, the money, the debt, the equity, and the cash that it has inside its business is returning 16%. At least it did that year. The year before, it was 18%. The year before, that was 14%. Now, these are pretty big numbers. Imagine if I could say to you, Kate, we're going to make a 14% return. You're going to make a 16 or 18% mm. return. You'd take it, right? Yeah. So, these companies can do this because they have the scale and they're in an organization. And this is before tax as well, as so you take tax out. But this is really impressive. And people often ask, well, why do companies go up? Like, why does the stock market go up? It's because companies can take money and invest it at higher rates typically than what you and I can do. And that is truly what makes a business so special like this. Yeah. Most of us cannot increase our salary by uh, 15 percent a year. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Imagine if you could do that for 10 or 15 or 20 years. 
that is true compounding and that's why companies work. So West Farmers' results, when it owned Coles, wasn't the, re- the return on capital wasn't as high because the Coles business needed a lot of repairing. But also, it was such a big business that the actual amount of money it makes per transaction didn't really matter. All that mattered is that it did a lot of transactions. And so during that time when it owned Coles, its returns were lower on capital. But now that it's sold it and Bunnings has taken over, it's growing really fast. And that's a good sign for the future because that means that they're able to take your money as a shareholder and have it invested. Um, And we should probably also mention that they pay a dividend. Yes, a very, 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 very regular dividend. In fact, I've got data here going back to 2009 and it has not missed a dividend once. Uh, In fact, it's got very juicy franking credits. It's returned some capital in that time. Uh, And it's just, even though it's been a bit patchy in the last few years because they've made the divestments, like they've sold coals, they've sold this, shareholders have obviously got to pay out for that. But yeah. that's not necessarily a dividend. Yeah, and that's so worth, it's been a bit patchy. As we've mentioned before, it's worth keeping in mind the dividend history when you look at the share price chart because that doesn't take into account yeah, all, all the dividends that have been paid to shareholders along the way. Exactly. So one of the things that if you were an income, like a passive income investor right now, one of the things that you should be thinking about is in this market in particular, it's a bit choppy, is not what's the biggest dividend yield right now. Like what's the biggest dividend stock? That's really... In my experience, it doesn't work. What you need to be asking yourself is what company has a track record of paying consistent dividends and are they likely to keep going? And that may not be the biggest dividend in the case of Wes Farmers or Solpats or CBA, but they tend to be the most consistent. And a good example of this is CBA. For most of the last 10 or 15 years, CBA has not had the biggest dividend yield. Like it hasn't been paying the most in percentages, but it has done better than all the other banks, like all the other banks. So it tells you that sometimes... To give up a little bit of income now, you get more return over time. Because they might actually be using some of that money to reinvest it back in the company and in yeah. technology and CBA engineers. Absolutely. Um, so when you look at West Farmer's results, I said the return on capital, you can get that figure by calculating it yourself. You can Google that online or you can use like a free tool, like some websites have it. They list it for the companies. There's a the software called Ticker, T-I-K-R, which I'm a fan of it costs 20 bucks a month and it does all the number crunching for you um you can use that but then you've got to remember too that these businesses even though they are very big and very strong their future success will be dependent on what the company and the board of directors are doing today uh, where they're investing money so if they invest too much money in office works maybe that's not a good idea it may have been a hard decision to close many targets but that was probably the right idea Uh, So you've got to make sure that they're making the right decisions for the long term. And at the end of every half year, the management team will present their results. And in particular, there's one called a media release. The media release is the short one. If you have to remember one, it's like five, 10 pages at most. And at the bottom of that, they have their outlook statement. And that's basically where the management team tell you what they're going to do in the future. And you can see here that they're investing very heavily in their one pass, their digital business. They're also restructuring um, their uh, catch business. They're continuing with that change up with Kmart and Target. Uh, and finally, they've actually got an increased focus on their industrial business, but also the um, the business like of chemicals and all that sort of stuff. Imagine if they bought Aldi. I'm just thinking here they'd have everything. Well, they would, but they already had Coles, right? Yeah, and they got rid of that. Yeah. So. Um, but they own a tiny bit of it still. You were having a look the other day. Yeah, they own a tiny bit, like single digit percentages. Uh, so they own a tiny bit because now Coles is its own business. So this is worth explaining for people that are new to this. 
Wes Farmers used to own Coles. It actually bought Coles during the global financial crisis. I, just, I think it was just before that. Fixed it up. And you could measure that by the amount of sales per square foot. It went from like really low to really impressive in the 10 years that it owned it or so. But then what happens is because Wes Farmers owned Coles, it needed to find a way to get its money back from when it bought it. And the way it does that, it's too big to sell to another buyer. So what does it do? It uh, takes that chunk of its business and it makes it its own company on the stock exchange. And that's called an IPO. And so that's why Coles now is a separate company that you can buy and sell shares in. Um, so you, as a West Farmers shareholders, you just would have got some Coles shares as well. Chances are a lot of people probably would have sold Coles and just kept their West Farmers shares, or at least that's probably what I would have done. And at the end of the day, West Farmers really well managed. It's profitable. It's got really good brands. Um, some of the brands are challenging, but that's okay. It's cashed up. It's got a good management team. Pays a regular dividend. It's pretty hard to fold it. Yeah. So West Farmers over Coles. <laughs> I would go West Farmers over Coles just because it has more options. Yeah. Um, whereas Coles is ve- like it's Coles is a great business, but it's in a very competitive industry. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you a little inside secret. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times when these companies like to break up the other businesses, they send the debt away with it <laughs> because they're like, "Yeah, you can take that. No worries. Yep, sure, it's all yours. Package it up, send <laughs> yeah. it off to it's the It's a market. great business. And by the way, it's got some debt. Don't worry about it. it. It's all good. But that's normal because typically they use debt to buy those companies in the first place, and then. They send them away with the debt as well. It's pretty good for West Farmers. Yeah. So um, sounds like a good strategy. Yeah, good strategy. Yeah. So that's West Farmers. The ticker symbol is W E S. Kate doesn't own it. Do you like the business, not the stock, but do you like the business? Yeah, I didn't realize just how much it owned and how many different stores that I use personally. Mm. Oh yeah, so. I use them all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I like the business uh, in terms of like the company, the stock. Um, it always trades at a premium valuation. Yeah, it's uh, just under $51 as yeah. I look at it today on the 6th of April. Yeah, and if you compare that to profit, it's around 23 times the profit. The yearly profit of price earnings ratio, it's about 23 times that. It, however, can be volatile. You know, uh, it wasn't that long ago, like uh, I think it was late, was it? I've got it here, late 2021, it was $66 a share. And about a year and a bit later, it fell to 41 so that's a big haircut. Mm. So there are times when you do get to buy great businesses at reasonable prices. It's yeah. typically when it's scary. March 2020, $33. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It went from- In hindsight. Yeah, what did it go from? It went from $45 right down to $33. Bang. Yeah. So those are the moments where if you've got something like West Farmers on your watch list, when things are scary is your opportunity to buy them. Um, I would say, like I would happily have West Farmers in my portfolio. I don't because I've got a lot of ETFs, I happily have it in there. And if I was going to buy some, I wouldn't try and necessarily to overly time the market, even though I just said it does get volatile. I would just add a little bit at a time. And then when it falls, I'd maybe add a little bit more. Yeah, you can dollar cost average into shares. We we talk about a lot in terms of ETFs, but yeah. it is a valid way to invest in individual companies by putting a little bit on a regular basis. Yeah, especially one like this, especially one that's like, like I said, this is not like a what we call a, a one-legged stool. So this is a business that has multiple businesses. And so some businesses aren't like this. Some of them are, they only have one product, one service, one market, you know, one strategy. Mm. And it only takes that to get disrupted for the whole thing to go down. It's like one-legged stool. Whereas these things are very stable. Yeah. So you can dollar cost average into them knowing that they're still going to be around tomorrow. They're still going to be around a year. They might not be as good as you thought, but they'll still be there. And so I think for that reason, like Wes Farms deserves to be on people's watch list. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, I, I reckon if people are interested in any other the companies in maybe the top 50 in your ASX 200 ETF. Um, let us know. Let us know. We've got the podcast question form in the show notes, or if you're in Rascor, feel free to drop us a note in there mm-hmm. or Absolutely. send us a DM on Insta. Yeah. And if you want to get my uh, latest write-up on Sol Pattinson, Washington Heights Sol Pattinson, which is the topic of this month's l- monthly update for Rascor members, uh, there's a there's a coupon code in the show notes, and you can join our Rascal membership. But I'm doing a full write up on Washington Hates or Pattinson and why I like it, and it actually goes along with Kate, an interview I did with the CEO that's appearing on the Investors Podcast. Well, isn't that well timed? Isn't that well timed? Well, you know what? When you meet with a CEO, sometimes they just they have charisma, and you think, okay, like I'm spellbound by this guy or gal, and you know whatever. However. I've got to admit, I'm tr- I've always kept my guard up now, but I already was like, I already loved the Soul Pats business model. So then when I met him, I asked him all the questions selfishly for an hour and a half. I literally just peppered him with the questions that I want to know. At the end of it, he's like, I don't know if anyone like will find this that interesting. I'm like, no, no, don't worry about them. They will. Because <laughs> I just want to know for myself. <laughs> so, so, because I want, like, I've followed the business for 10 years. So I was like, no, oh, I need to know. Yeah. Like all these questions that I've been wanting to know. Is it is it true? Like or this bit true? So and is that episode airing this week? It'll be out in the next two weeks. Okay, cool. Um, that's on the Investors Podcast. It's with Washington H. Solpatson. It might even make it across here. It's a pretty good conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find out more jumping in Rascor. You can find out what I really think uh, over there. Kate, this is heaps of fun. I love these deep dives. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest, and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, 
or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.